Hi, everyone. Um, welcome to Photo Flip. This is our first episode. We are a new podcast, um, kind of a collaboration between Around the Lens and 10 Frames Per Second, which is mine and my co-host podcast, Elena Volkova. She's here. Uh, we'll be discussing all aspects of photo books um, and their influences on like career field, society. So we hope to be a monthly. Uh, we will bring in guests who have photo books either coming out or have been established. And we'll be talking to collectors, seeing what's right for your collection. So I want to welcome everyone uh, to the show. So Dave, who is the host and founder of Around the Lens, kind of our patron saint. Hey, Dave. Hey, how's it going? Hey. Um, to be here. Elena, who is, who is, yeah, and Elena, who is my... Um, it was my co-host, Elena. We're doing it finally, right? I mean, we have like another podcast, right? That's great. Yes. Yeah. Glad to be here. Totally psyched. Um, and our guest, our very first inaugural guest is Jeff Livingston, a photojournalist based in D.C. Is that correct? Is that correct, Jeff? Uh, yeah, I'm in D.C. I, you're, you're kind calling me a photojournalist, but definitely a freelance photographer. Okay. Freelance photographer. All right. We don't have to do labels. Um so we're going to, for our first book, we thought was pretty timely, right? We were going to uh, look at your look at your project and see where it is and as far as printing goes and what led up to it and kind of get the story behind it. Sure. So Jeff, why don't you tell us the title and um, I'll let you take it away. Excellent. And first of all, thank you for having me. It's, I love podcasts. We were talking before we got on and it's always a pleasure uh, just riffing on photography, you know, a lot of fun. Um, so the book is called Not My President, and it's about five years of Trump protests, basically documenting various protests that broke out both before he took the office, but for the most part uh, during his presidency. And um, the, the project actually just started out pretty simply. Uh, I was at one of the Muslim ban protests, one of the early ones, and I uh, I could probably show you a photograph of it in a moment, but, um, and, you know, was just so angered by what I saw. My, my great granduncle started the anti-defamation league. I have a family that really believes very strongly in civil rights. Uh, we're Jewish. Uh, we're run out of Europe. So very strong feelings about that. And just seeing what was happening under the current administration, I felt that I needed to do something. And I felt very powerless, right? Um, in large part because of work and not being able to do uh, much. So I started uh, photographing these protests and putting my photos up on Flickr. Um, I had become pretty successful in social media uh, over the past 15 years and knew that Flickr was a place that uh, a lot of uh, smaller to medium-sized publications that don't have large photo budgets uh, find their photographs via the Creative Commons that's available there. And then also the nonprofit community uses those photographs as well. And so I, that, that was really it. Just shoot them, throw up like the best seven to 10 photos from each protest and then let uh, the community have at it and discuss what they saw and hopefully make a change as a result of it. Um, so, so how many publications have they run in? I can't even count hundreds hundreds. Uh, I mean, really, I would just get random Google alerts, just small ones, everything from like the Jacobin to, believe it or not, Breitbart used one. I was like, uh, I actually made them 
because uh, they're running advertising on it. It was a Black Lives Matter. But protest. do they pay you for that? Are you are you paid by? I the made them pay for that. I made that pay. But for I mean, that. the other ones, like, are you paid by for the other? You didn't. You didn't... No, Creative Commons. Uh, just no derivatives. Go ahead, share it with attribution, and mm. that's that. I mean, for me, it was um, an act of sharing something that was important to talk about. Okay. So yeah. with, with, with the Creative Commons, though, I mean, there's a whole discussion, you know, in the broader documentary photo about giving photos away for free, you know, because that, that kind of undercuts the people that are doing it for a living. Where, where do you stand on that? Like I said, I'm like a fifth estate guy, a social media guy. Um, you know, every time I've tried to really break into the photojournalism community, I'm just kind of like, oh, we don't pay freelancers is what I get. So I don't really have much of a strong affiliation for it. Um, my attitude is it's a pretty small community that's um, cloistered. It's probably the best way to put it. So on the, on the, on the um, ones that have run the photos, what, what's your most, what's your most proudest one that you've had, you know, you've been online and been like, Oh shit. Boy, you know, which one was amazing. And it just happened recently. Uh, during the MAGA rally two here in DC when Trump was trying to overthrow uh, the election and turn it over. I, I photographed a bunch of the proud boys when I, and it wasn't intentional. I didn't go to photograph them. I went to go photograph the counter protesters, but what ended up happening was you had a militia, fascist militia troops actually just circling Black Lives Matter Plaza, uh, looking to beat up just about anybody that they thought was a counter protester. They would call them Antifa, but a lot of these people weren't Antifa. And, um, and so I, I must have gotten about like, honestly, 25, 30 good photos of Proud Boys and uh, after I went through calling them, I'm going to pull up the photo I'm going to talk about here. And um, what ended up happening was uh, I posted these and the National Cathedral of all organizations grabbed this photo. Um, here, let me see if I can share it. And uh, they, it doesn't look like I can. Hold on a second here. I put this up in the National Cathedral, used it to condemn uh, uh, the MAGA community coming into DC and vandalizing it and acting the way that they were acting. Um, and, and that was a really, um, that was important to me because when I looked at the lift and again, you have to remember with the social media background, or everything, I looked at the, the amount of lift that the, their post was going and I, I easily estimated two to 3 million people saw the photo with the condemnation. And that okay. was the message that I wanted out there. And, and so it, as an activist, it meant something to me. Can you tell us a little bit about why this book is important and who is this book for? Who was it made for? Yeah. So I just feel like it's important because a lot of the dialogue that occurred during the, um, the years when Trump was president was about the MAGA crowd. Um, and it wasn't about the resistance. And when it was about the resistance, it was often the MAGA crowd smearing us, if you would, as socialists and all that type of uh, kind of crazy, almost fanatic view. And, and that's not who we were as a people or as a country. Really, you're talking about if, if you're gonna call everybody Antifa that protested against Trump, you had 78 million registered or 80 million registered Antifa people that voted against them. 
Um, and so I think it was important to show what the actual resistance on the other side looked like. Um, like for example, if you look at any of the Black Lives Matter protests photos in there, you'll see a lot of white people in there um, and a, a lot of young people uh, as well. And I think it wasn't what people were being told was happening at the Black Lives Matter protests. Every time I talked to my right-wing friends, they were saying that it was a bunch of uh, Antifa people dressed in black trying to you know, uh, vandalize everything. And that's not what I saw, right? Um, and so it was important from that standpoint. And I also think, and maybe, and, and I'll, I'll dish on this, but uh, you're just living here in DC, uh, there is a real serious fear of uh, retribution against people that were protesting. Right. Um, there were people that were losing their jobs if they resisted in their government. There were people that were afraid that if they had their photos taken that they would have a visit from the tax man a visit from the government and who knows if that would have happened in the next term or not. Uh, I'm a government contractor. I, I was definitely starting to get worried about the activities I was taking on. Um, and so I, for me, I feel like the people that were out there protesting, particularly as time progressed were heroic, right? They were taking risks uh, and they were doing so because they believed in the first amendment. They believed in saying what they uh, had to say and they believed in protecting civil rights. So, but I mean, as far as the audience goes, it's for. I think it's probably more for uh, people that are on the left uh, or the center that are open to ideas. I don't think people that are on the right really care to see this. But mm -hmm. more than anything, I hope the people that buy the book and uh, will show their children. You know, I, I really think that this is historical information. And I'm not the only one that's captured stuff. I'm not, you know, I know that by a long mile. But all these photos that people took. You know, we need to preserve them and share them and get them out there and make sure that they are preserved. Uh, several of these got picked up by the Library of Congress, for example, and that's important. You know, um, it's important that the next generation can see what happened. I don't see a lot of right. So you mentioned uh, buying a book titled Not My President. <laughs> by accident. It's, it's <laughs> unless, unless they're buying it and they think it's about the Biden administration. Well, I've, I've, <laughs> I've had a few of them ask me if I do the same book for them. Oh my <laughs> you God. do uh, five years of well, resisting Biden. <laughs> has there even been a protest? I think. Since Biden took over? I don't think so. Yeah. Well, I think that it's, it's important. Has anybody done research into like have, have other books that came out or projects that came out that supports the right wing, you know, protesters? I'll be curious to see. Um, you, Jeff, you talked a little bit uh, about your background. Maybe talk some more how, in what way has your work and your background um, encouraged and supported you to proceed with this project? That's a great question. Um, and, you know, I think that I wouldn't have had the courage to take it as far as I did if I didn't have the success I'd had in the past publishing my own media. Um, if I hadn't become a top 10 PR blogger in the world, if I hadn't gotten three books published as a blogger and, you know, I mean, I'd spoken in a lot of places and to be a hundred percent candid, I didn't really like it. <laughs> you know, I didn't like being like nano famous, but what I did like was that when I had something to share and I thought it was an important idea that people would, would access that and discuss those ideas and 
So I felt empowered to go out and do that again. And um, yeah, there were times when I would post the photos when they would get like no lift, right? Like there were some of the protests that just didn't seem to get any energy at all, but it didn't matter, right? It, it, it was the process of doing it. It was important uh, for me to do it. And sometimes we have to just uh, show up, you know, and that's half the effort. And then when it finally turned, um, and it looked like we were going to win the election uh, during that election week. That's when I knew I needed to go with the book. I had had people nagging me for like five, six, seven months that I needed to make a book. And so I decided to do it. Yeah. That's great. It's interesting you talk about being Jewish and being active. I, as a, as a you know, Ukrainian Jewish immigrant, um, the community that came to the States that is part of my story uh, supports Trump. And it's just the most interesting paradox. Um, and I know like I have relatives who don't talk to me <laughs> because I have different political views. It's it's kind of incredible. Um, I have friends that still support Trump. It's a miracle we still talk, but you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't understand that. I mean, I was down there covering the um, covering the, the siege of the Capitol for a magazine, for Baltimore Magazine and for SOPA Images in London. And there were Israeli flags and there were Indian flags and there were South Korean flags. Um, it's something that I, I, I'm, I'm stumped. I mean, as a beardy white guy, I, I know why the other beardy white guys were, were rioting, right? Because you dared told them no. And that's why they were a lot of them riding. I mean, a lot of it goes back to like Ruby Ridge, like these kind of the three percenters, like the old, the older, the older ones go back a little ways more than the young ones. But I, I don't get why, you know, someone from the Jewish community, uh, I'm 10%, by the way, uh, 23 and me. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, thanks. I know I'm, I'm, I'm partying. I'm partying. Um, but, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't understand why they why they rally around not just Trump but what he stands for right I mean well, I know, I know a lot know, of Jews uh, liked his stance on Israel you know I think he supported look, Israel look Stephen Miller right he's yeah, the Lashonda I mean, the Lashonda right yeah. exactly <laughs> you know, Jewish exactly. yeah that means oh yeah like definitely he's the one yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. well I know in um, South Korea there are you know pockets of conservatives that supported Trump. I mean, for instance, like every time I left base for like the last few months, there were these people waving flags and having Trump banners, you know, espousing and saying, oh, how great Trump is. And we're going to get the election back, one back, you know, we're going to get that stolen election back every single day on my leave, uh, I leave out here. So yeah, he had support at various places and pockets all over the world, even in less conservative countries. Well, what was but, you know we were talking about okay. we were talking about family and you know Jewishness and whatnot and you know I noticed in the beginning of your book that you dedicated to your mom and I'm sorry for your loss uh, I lost my mom not too long ago so I know it's a horrible thing uh, I hope you're your doing well too. and you're recovering from it um, it's not easy but you know you know, obviously you make that mention in there what do you think your mom thought uh, of this book project and, and of the you know, everything going on and, and the fact that, you know, Trump lost, do you, I, you think she'd be happy about that? Yeah, she'd be proud, man. She'd be proud of this book. She'd be delighted to see it. 
she wanted that to happen so bad. I think she'd be happiest about Arizona going blue. Yeah. Because <laughs> she lived there. I think she would just be tickled pink by that. Um, but yeah, you know, I wanted to pick up on the point about uh, just strange groups of people that support Trump. Like I remember during one of those rallies, and, and it was hard with this book too, because like I had to cut a lot of these people out because they meet the theme of resisting against. Uh, but there were really interesting photos. There was a photograph I had of Buddhist monks, you know, wow. with Trump flags holding a large banner saying the truth shall always, there are two things that always happen. The sun and the truth always rise to the top. And I'm like, oh my God, you know, just like, wow. So it's just crazy, man. I mean, the guy appealed to people, which is really frightening. Um, uh, you know, it, it's, he was a true demagogue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very can much a, a bit about the, for sure. Yeah, can you can you talk a little bit about the, your editing process, Jeff, and how you how I mean, is there a flow? You know, do you think is there a flow to your book, or is it a collection of images? I mean, how do you see the creation of this of this book? Like, talk us through what from beginning to end. Yeah, so um, I mentioned that I had published a book, uh, three of them with publishers, and then. I've done a couple on my own afterwards. Uh, photo then, books or or uh, business books. So this is my books. first real photo book solo. Um, but the one thing I did learn during that process is you absolutely, positively have to have help, and you have to have people that are willing to kick you in the teeth, because otherwise um, you, you're just going to put in stuff that um, you like and that nobody else will, or you put in stories that don't work. So. Hopefully by the point time we get to this book and people see it, um, and we're getting there, uh, the, the, the pages should work together. Each chapter should tell a little story and build towards the end. And, and the end should probably leave you feeling uncertain about the future of our, our country, as many people mm -hmm. are. Um, and and uh, so I hired my friend Richard Benhammer, who does fine art photography. He's a great friend, but Richard's known me a long time, and he'll tell me to shut it when I need to shut it. And mm -hmm. then uh, for the word side, I, I hired a, a friend of mine named Liz Shear, who's just brutal, also Jewish, and just a brutal editor. Um, and, uh, you know, she's been pretty hardcore, uh, sautéing me. And then uh, my friend Amanda, who's... Uh, a graphic designer I've worked with before as well. All people I, I've known and worked with before, so I trusted them. And I trust mm -hmm. them to tell me when something's wrong, right? Uh, and so we're, we're at the point now where um, Richard and Liz are looking through it now that we have the final product and really kicking it pretty hard. Uh, I expect Richard will take it through the, through the grinder at, at this phase. And then when that's done, uh, I plan to send it to a few people and uh, see what they think. Uh, get like some, you know, completely untouched. I haven't seen this thing before. Unbiased point of view about it. Uh, and uh, hopefully it'll be pretty close to where we want it to be. So maybe you... talk a little bit about the book design. Sorry. <laughs> um, okay. Book design and the concept. How, how does the book flow? You mentioned chapters. How does the viewer experience it? So the chapters really pick up on issues, right? And that's a really good topic. And I think one of the things that you'll see when you look at the initial chapters, which are Trump's election, there is a big protest in San Antonio that occurs as well as election night. 
and then his inauguration, like almost every single theme that occurs throughout the book can be seen there. So it's not like anything that happened afterwards wasn't foreshadowed. But then we get into um, race issues. We get into immigration with the Muslim ban. We get into feminist rights with the Women's March. And, and that's, some of these issues were issues that kind of bubbled throughout his presidency, right? Like if you look at the Women's March, huge start, but then really his presidency before the election ended with a huge women's issue with RBG, right? Mm-hmm. And her death and uh, the, the fear of abortion. Uh, turned over in the Supreme Court as a result of his appointees uh, and him rushing to slam another Supreme Court justice in there. So that was one issue. Um, And then, you know, there's kind of like a a chapter where there's a kitchen sink because it just seemed like this guy just provoked protests left and right. Like almost everything he did started to really uh, create problems. Um, And so there's a chapter to that. and then it seems like what happened here in D.C., because primarily these protests are photographed here, right? There was this kind of like dead period, right, where the resistance seemed to be beaten down by him. You know, the economy was doing really well. Um, there weren't mass protests in 2018 or 2019 until uh, the government shut down. And uh, Mm -hmm. that picked up. And then there was an impeachment trial after the Ukrainian incident. Uh, And then Black Lives Matter blew up. And Black Lives Matter was one of two chapters uh, that was really a double chapter because it was so important. Um, Mm -hmm. And it just reinvigorated the resistance and carried the, I feel like the Black Lives Matter uh, movement really kind of carried the tide. And it was almost that momentum changer that uh, won the day for, um, I, you know, Biden or really just the resistance against Trump. I hope that makes sense. I mean, it's funny because people seem to forget, like, you know, the movement kind of came like before Freddie Gray, right? Yeah. It, it's not just recently. And, and, but people keep saying that like it's recent, but it's not actually, you know, Black Lives Matter came out, you know, Trayvon Martin, Freddie Gray, you know, like five years ago already. Um, yeah. Were you, were you what, what started you on, like, were you documenting anything back then? What started you, you know, on this? Why, why this particular moment? Yeah, let me, um, let me see if I can pull up a photo. Or does somebody have the, the photo book there? Because if we can get into. Yeah, um, I've got that, it here. Yeah, if we can get into that chapter on the initial inauguration, mm-hmm. that would be really helpful. Um, yeah, keep scrolling down. Hang on. Well, I'm going to do this like a slideshow here. There you Sweet. Go. So we got all the garbage Beautiful. cut out of it. <laughs> kind of feels that way after you've seen the book like 30 times. You're like, oh my God, not again. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I meant all the, the preview and this in the small screen stuff. Yeah. No, screen. I'm speaking for myself. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I'm definitely not. <laughs> that you're pretty uh, tired of uh, looking at this book and all the previews you can of go it, back. right? Yeah, go back. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. I've seen these so many times in this order. It's like crazy. Um, one more. Yeah. See there in the upper left, the Black Lives Matter. So you can see here we are on the on the upper left and here are a lot of the protesters protesting things that we see four years later, right? 2017. Right. And down the lower left, you have Antifa, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's really interesting to see this kind of, you know, these themes that blew up 
years later were already there. I mean, they just got exacerbated by him. I noticed you decided not to date the photographs and, you know, in your chapters, you know, you choose photos that seem very recent and seem stuff that seems not from years ago. Well, what was that editorial decision? Why was that decision made? Yeah. You know, we just wanted the photos to tell the story uh, about the chapter. We wanted the, the introduction to tell uh, enough about the topic of the chapter and let the story uh, evolve. Now, whether or not that was a smart idea or not is a, is a huge question. And, uh, you know, I definitely welcome your feedback, but really we wanted to let the themes carry rather than have the, uh, uh, the photo date really drive it. I don't know. Dead silence. Congrats on getting the book funded through Kickstarter, by the way. Why did you choose that uh, funding mechanism? Yeah. Uh, so I've done a lot of social fundraising. So it was something that I knew how to do. And um, it was something that I've had a lot of success with. So, I mean, I've raised millions of dollars for nonprofits using social fundraising. Wow. And, and one of the things I've learned about it is it's really good for um public relations, it gets the word out about something, it builds excitement, it creates uh, evangelists for something. Uh, and so it's, you know, the Kickstarter isn't really the end of the book, it's the beginning of the book in my mind. Um, and what I have are 200 people that have been willing to back this concept and are really evangelists in my mind, people that have an ownership stake, they'll actually be mentioned at the end of the book. So yeah, uh, the most important people uh, and I'm so grateful they believed enough in the project to fund it. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have a favorite photo from the book? Well, you just passed it. The Beaker, beaker one? <laughs> I the love beaker. that photo. So here's the thing about the science marches, okay? They were the best protests, man. That was like going to Mardi Gras. It was so awesome. Everybody showed up in costume. They were fun-loving nerds. Everybody was kind of cheeky and enjoying themselves and um boy you know i don't think i've been to any protests outside of those that have that kind of feel to it and i you know it made me wish we had a science march every year it didn't matter who the yeah they didn't get was. much they didn't get much press right the science marches it was sad because they didn't uh yeah they didn't generate much press and and look at the COVID crisis right <laughs> i mean if we had listened to these guys we would never be looking right. at accounts of like 470,000 people dead in the United States. I mean, it's just, wow, man. Uh, it's just so sad to see what happened as a result of our unwillingness to listen to scientists. Isn't that just how like every single so, blockbuster movie, disaster movie starts? No one listens to the scientists, right? Uh, it's unbelievable, man. Uh, what was that movie that came out? Um, was it tw 2012 with uh, Matt Damon, the Contagion movie or whatever it was? Yeah. Uh, we watched that about a month ago. It was horrible. Yeah, I, I'm not watching any any pandemic movies right now. Um, <laughs> right. So, so traditionally, which, which photographers do you do you look to? Do you look up uh, as far as like style wise go for your work? Uh, you know, I I follow just a lot of people locally. So uh, a lot of the White House guys. So Pete Souza, uh, Lawrence Jackson's back in the White House now. Uh, Lawrence is a friend of mine. I look at his work all the time. He's just really, really amazing. Sharon Farmer is another one. She's pretty well known. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, 
God, I know. I, I hope he doesn't hear it because I'd hate admitting to him that I love his stuff so much. But Chris Suspect is just an incredible street photographer. I've known Chris for 15 years and his work, but it's mostly people that, um, you know, I, I, I literally follow and see and know and look at their stuff. There's another guy, McCool Rajan. He's just mm -hmm. fantastic. You know, um, Nana Gaisi has been a huge influential photographer, but just people that, you know, they're in my life. Uh, mm -hmm. Kurt Bob, he's another pretty well-known one that's here at least locally. So these are the guys I follow, you know, and uh, I learn from them, but I also anything, shoot with them. Anything historic? Uh, just curious what kind of photographers that, you know, like in the history of photography, do you look up to or study? Uh, you know, I mean, there's always Cartier-Bresson and all, uh, you know, Winogrand and all those guys. And, but, you know, it's just pretty much street. I, I, I have to tell you, I mean, I'm not a huge student. You know, I, I look at the stuff. Uh, I love it. Um, uh, Roadside America is another one that I, I've, you know, Frank stuff is just fantastic. But um, to me, it, it, it's photography is a moment thing. It really is for me about capturing the moment. And um, you can look at other people's stuff. And I, I think the danger that I see a lot of is this kind of, I want to say uh, just basically homogeneous type of photography where everybody just keeps doing the same thing and saying it's great. And I see this a lot with awards, right? You know, the same awards, the same type of like really contrasty, you know, shocking look on somebody's face uh, where that's an award-winning photo. And it's kind of like, okay, but I've seen that photo. I've seen that photo 30 times. I, I remember I went... Uh, down to the Miami Street uh, Photography Festival, which is run by photojournalists. And I think it's the same group that does the Milan show as well. And I've looked at the, the 100 photos on the wall, the 100 greatest street photos supposedly in the world. And they all look the same to me. They had very similar styles. Um, and it, it made me think that, you know, maybe we're, we're missing something because photography's evolved. Um, it's become so, something. But okay, so all right, so so how right, okay, yeah. so how does your work, you know, you go to see these shows, how does your work differ than any other photographer shooting people with signs? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I was talk ask something similar <laughs> in that, you know. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, I I mean if you know if it's an evolution, you know. Um yeah. all I can like tell you is I saw a story form. and I told it. Yeah. I don't know yeah. if I'm evolving the art form. I never well, really set out to do that. <laughs> Since you mentioned the signs right. and photos of signs, and this goes to kind of how you document a protest in general, but also how you choose and choose the photos for, you know, in, in skimming through the book, you know, there's a lot of sign photos, right? And that's going to be par for sure. the course when you go to a protest, you can't not see that. But in choosing, you know, and in, in making that editorial decision, both in how you shoot and how, what you decide to publish, how are you making that choice to be like, okay, I don't want to choose too many sign photos versus general protest shots versus variety. How do you, how are you sort of making that decision with regard to image variety? Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting that you ask that. And really the question is whether or not the, the photograph fits the theme for the chapter. So if, if we could look back at uh, another chapter, do you have the, the book? Yeah, up? no, I, I can share it. Yeah. I still got it up. I just uh, I took it down so I could talk to you guys. Um, yeah, yeah. 
I appreciate that, Joe. Thank you. Let's move to the end. Let's actually pick one of the signed photos and okay. discuss why um, it was put in there. Sorry, my 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 preview just crashed. Give me give me one. But second. I do want it on the I record. I, I never up. said I involved the art. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I wasn't saying. I wasn't saying. I'm you, just. You, I'm you, like you Journey, man. Me. I'm bad pop music. <laughs> right, right, right. No, but I, I was just. I was wondering because you you had said you know that when you see these pictures they all look the same. Yeah. And I, I was just curious to know how how you think yours use. There you go. Um, yours yeah. are different. Oh. Yeah. So let's look at this one actually with the flag. Because this is an interesting one. This is the lead chapter for women, right? Um, and why this one where she has an upside down flag talking about liberty, it's got a lot of words on it. The, the reason why she's in it is because of her eyes, right? Her eyes are everything. And the tears, the sadness. Um, and right above the flag, it says her mild eyes command. And to me, it was just a fantastic photo because of that. It just spoke to me. Um, it spoke to the photo editor and it was really something that we, we thought was um, very, very powerful. And it was, uh, it was almost thrown out because towards the end, the Trump folks started really hanging flags upside down and um, using similar uh, symbolism to fight for themselves, but it was, um, it just, it was just so strong for us. It just told the story of this kind of like grind against women for us. Um, if you scroll down towards the end, maybe like page like hundred or so. Uh, nope, a little further back. Yeah, 103. So here's another one with a sign, right? And this one, Wow, this one is just crazy. This one just keeps uh, popping up and being used by media, particularly when the Proud Boys come up. Because here's this guy who's, by the way, trans, and uh, he looks very trans. Uh, and when I say that is, here is these like white, uh, pseudo, you know, masculine kind of like Proud Boys. We're we're real men. We're real strong. We're going to show the world patrolling the streets, literally looking to beat the crap out of anybody protesting against Trump's election. And here's this guy with this, this sign. And it was, it wasn't the sign. It was the bravery of him being there facing these guys down. Right. Like, and this guy, his name's Nikki. He never, ever got touched by any of the proud boys, which is just amazing. Cause I saw him go after like three or four different militia packs uh, and these guys were picking fights with everybody everywhere. So it was just, to me, it was the epitome of bravery and resisting in, in the face of really real danger. So Jeff, what is it like for you in the field when you're there? What goes through your mind? How do you compose an image? Do you compose? Do you follow kind of like, are you in a trance? Are you thinking about composition? Talk a little bit about your process and how you construct these photographs? Yeah, um, I definitely do compose. Um, in this case, that was a very intentional shot. And I was following Nikki for about like 10, 15 minutes until I could get the shot I wanted. Um, and I actually got kind of roughed a little bit by the Proud Boys when I was shooting him. Like they tried to block me from photographing it. Uh, after I was done photographing him, one of them walked me down 15th Street for about 300 yards, screaming, trying to pick a fight with me until I stopped in front of a police car. 
Um, so uh, the the composition with this particular photo was how do I get him in it and how do I get the Proud Boys uh, and show the um, show the the magnitude of their um, scale, if you would, like the the fact that there's like thirty or forty of them. To be honest with you, I don't think the photo actually successfully did it as well as I would like. I wish I was a little more behind him to the towards the right, maybe two more steps, but I had no room with the police. You know? So some of it is like, can I get there? You know, can I get the shot? Other times it's like really just try to get yourself in the middle of the of the scene and get the, the photograph. Um, there's a shot with the Black Lives Matter protests where I literally got on the line and my camera got damaged because I was like in the line between the protesters and the Secret Service police. And that protest turned into a tear gas incident in 20 minutes. And I was just trying to capture the energy of the event. And I thought uh, I successfully did that. But uh, you know, some of it is kind of capture what's what's being felt here, right? And some of it's can I get good composition, you know, thirds, or uh, can I make sure that, you know, I can get somebody's uh, uh, eyes in the photo if you can't get their eyes in it it's just not necessarily a very good photo at all i think the eyes are everything with street yeah, yeah absolutely um you know obviously the in the book you feature newspaper covers from the january 6th um event uh, and i'm guessing that's because you weren't able to cover that event um but to, correct me if i'm wrong but you know how did that event change sort of the scope of your book Obviously, we were going to have you on a while back, and I think we were going to have you. I don't know if we were going to have you on before or after that event, but you know, did that uh, change your thinking about the book? You know, that monumental, horrible event on January sixth. Yeah, it blew it all up, man. It blew up the complete ending of the book, and uh, that whole chapter that we just saw that Proud Boy in, where those Proud Boys and that protest were in, was redone, and the photos were reselected because of that. Um, I chose not to photograph the January 6th protests, uh, the MAGA rally, if you would, because there were no counter protesters. And also because of those acts I talked about with the Proud Boys, I, I frankly thought it was going to be a violent event. And I knew that people like me would probably be uh, uh, attacked. Uh, media were attacked during that event. Um, and, uh, you know, I had family members asking me not to go down there. And then when I knew that the counter protesters weren't going, like all the nonprofits stood down and there weren't going to be anybody down there giving it back to the Trumpers, there was just no purpose, right? But then the mission of the book had already been dictated. Um, you know, there wasn't going to be anybody to photograph for the book itself that would probably belong in there. Frankly, having those Proud Boys in there was... The only value in it was to show how dark it got before the insurrection. They probably wouldn't have made it if there wasn't an insurrection. Um, and, uh, you know, so that's why I didn't go down there. And then that happened. And, oh, my God, you know, Jesus. And it completely blew up the end of the book. So I pre-wrote the inauguration end, right? And uh, in the end, I imagined quiet streets where there were no protests, right? Never did I imagine that was because there was going to be like 25,000 troops on the ground. That's crazy, man. It was just, it blew up everything. It was just so insane what happened. Considering what happened, did, did you kind of, in hindsight, wish you had been there for the January 6th event? No. No. 
I'm the only breadwinner in my family. So my wife's been out of work for two years. And uh, again, because I'm a government contractor to be down there would have been probably not a great idea. So what are you going to, now that this is all kind of wrapped up, I mean, what are you, um, what are you going to do next? I don't know. <laughs> and I know that's a horrible thing to say, but uh, I mean, the book's going to come out in May. Uh, I'm going to give it a good run and promote it um, and get it out there. And then, you know, to be honest with you, I, I really hope that I don't have to photograph uh, events and protests. I mean, I, I, I don't think that we're out of this yet. Uh, we may be back in it again in four years. Um, we may be dealing with insurrection in a different way in a shorter period of time. And if that happens, then I'll be out there using my camera for the same purposes. I mean, not even for a photo book to put them up on Flickr, to get the word out, um, to share, it, to have the ideas out there. But uh, I'm sure I'll find something. I have a little side project where I've been photographing Acadia National Park for four years, going up there again for the fifth year this year. And I, I really want to start digging deeper and getting to know the locals a little bit better. Last year, I actually booked three weeks up there to really start talking to locals. Nice. And then COVID happened. And so nobody was talking to anybody. <laughs> and that was just a disaster for that. Uh, but, you know, that's a beautiful thing about a project that doesn't have an end date in mind. You know, you just keep going and you see what you get. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, I want to ask you me. quickly about the commentators yeah. you had for the book. Um, you had multiple people write passages. I was just curious, you know, what was the reasoning for that? And, and how did you choose those people? Yeah, they were all there. You know, if they were there, and it wasn't me opening the chapter, um, and I tried not to as much as possible, I think I did two or three. Um, they were there. So they were either in the Women's March, they were part of the Black Lives Matter movement, uh, they were at a science march, every single person that was uh, writing an introduction was part of those particular moments of time. Cool. Well, good. I mean, thanks for anybody have any other questions about the before we before we wrap it up? Just maybe a wrap up question. Maybe if, okay. a few words about what are you hopeful for now since Trump is gone? <sighs> it's a Boy, good you've... way to go out on. Thanks, Alina. <laughs> I got a 10 year old girl that's in this house. And she, uh, she has one of her best friends is uh, a conservative from a conservative family. And they, they kind of waited off during this past three or four months. Uh, so it, it's been actually hard for her. Um, and I, I imagine that's like a lot of people. Um, but this was one of her best friends. At the same time, she saw a woman become vice president of the United States. And that was extremely powerful. And I remember watching her watch the inauguration. We were watching on my phone, uh, the, the celebration that night and the fireworks and watching her eyes light up. And um, I think that she saw a lot of things that really can happen. She lost innocence with the friend and she gained hope. And I hope the hope is strong enough. The possibilities are strong enough uh, to carry us into more and greater things. I guess the wrap-up question I'll throw out there is uh, how can people, you know, get your book if they weren't part of the Kickstarter? I think there was like an initial 250 print launch and then what's going to happen after that? 
That's a great question. So the book's going to go live uh, probably on Amazon at some point in mb uh in June. Um, I think it'll be in June. We're really kind of waiting to see what COVID's going to do. And hopefully we'll be in a place where we can throw an event. I'm going to probably hold it until we can throw a live event and do like a kind of salon type of style of that. Uh, and uh, then we're going to get it out there then so people can find it on Amazon B&H at that point. Cool. All right. Yeah. Thank you, Jeff. Yeah, thank you for thanks time, for being our, our first guest here on PhotoFlip. Um, thank you. I appreciate what you guys do. Oh, and no definitely, problem. if you have feedback, send it to me, man. I can use it. <laughs> okay. All right, yeah, buddy. Cool. Will do. That's cool. Thank All you. right. Well, um, so next month, we will have another guest. We're not sure who yet. Um, but tune in. And I guess thanks, everybody, for listening to PhotoFlip. We'll see you next month. Bye. Later. Thank you.